So on the next episode of The Ben James Show, it was literally no holds barred with our guest, Matt Cameron. Now we, we go deep and you're gonna have to listen to the whole episode to find out just exactly how deep we go. We talk on literally a lot of things that you're probably not gonna hear a lot of people talking about, well, at least Australian men in a sense. So we go from porn addiction to sex addiction, what Matt learned from accidentally walking in on an AA meeting. Yeah, he did that. And he actually didn't, he walked in and he stayed there. And what he learned will actually surprise you. So if you're someone who's doing the work through inner child work, healing trauma, uh, learning about your emotions, this is gonna be a great episode for you. Matt is someone that is working so incredibly in this space right now. Even though he's someone that's super young, he's got worlds of experience. And through this episode, you're really, really gonna see that. So guys, I'm excited for you to tap into this one. Enjoy, let's get into it. Okay, so Matt, how long is it? How long has it been since we know each other now? We knew each other. We met How'd at we, we met at we met at the bridge. That's when we oh, first yeah. met at Sydney. I actually remember first. I remember first seeing you because we. I remember we were upstairs, and I saw you walk in, and you were talking about like getting a, a virtual assistant. You were talking about all these different things, and I was like, "Who's this dude?" Because you were speaking with so much confidence, and I, re I remember like seeing you walk in. And you're like this buff dude. And like, who the hell is this dude? And remember, you had no shoes on and stuff. <laughs> and yeah, and then after that, that's when I was going through a breakup, actually. And you were, you started sending me, I don't know if you remember this, but you were messaging me on Facebook, just checking in. And you don't remember? No. Yeah, so you're just a good guy, I guess. Maybe. But you sent, you, I remember you sent through this image where it was like Jesus holding this teddy bear thing. I don't know if you remember Yeah, this. no, I do. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So. We was holding the teddy behind his back and exactly. it's like someone took the kid's uh, smaller teddy away from him. Yeah. And he's like, he's got a big one behind his back and he's exactly. about to do it. And right? it said something along the lines of, you have to let go in order for you to find out like what's coming. Something, something along something those right, lines. Yeah. And then, yeah, we've, we've known each other since then. And yeah, the, the biggest thing that I loved about you is that in the past with people who were in network marketing and stuff, it felt like they were messaging me good things in order for them, to, for me to be in their thing. But to this day, since we've known each other like three years or whatever it's been, you still haven't like asked me. Like it's, it's like, so it came from a, a genuine place, which I loved. Well, yeah, I mean, you came to me because you wanted vegan shakes. I don't think it was at first. That was like a year ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we've known each other for a while. Yeah, and then uh, now I, the last time I seen you was we so we go down to coffee at Crate, this place yep. in Bali, because Matt, uh, you're living out in Bali as well. Yeah, been here for two years. Digital nomad, digital doing nomad, all that digital, digital nomad, nomad stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we'll go down for uh, coffee sometimes down at Crate before we go train, and you're sometimes there. Yeah. That's typically where we bump into you, mm -hmm. but you're on a call. What do you do? What is that call that you're doing? Because we see you in a distance. You're on your, you're on the phone. You got your coffee in hand. Bro, you got your headphones in. You're I've walking got a around. Confession, right? Okay. So there is this thing that I do every morning. Now I can't do it ever in front of you guys, but there is this thing that I'm doing. So to give everyone context, every single morning I do this exercise where I'm speaking as if the last six months has already happened. And I'm imagining that I'm speaking to a friend, like super passionate about everything that's already been done. Cause I'm a big believer in law of attraction manifestation. And it's been around for a long time, like scripting, like write, writing it out or speaking as if it's already happened. So every single time that you've seen me on the phone, I have been speaking to nobody. 
This looked like you've been on this like intense business call, or it's oh. like a like a coaching call where you're like <laughs> you're you're on you're on loop at the same time every day, talking or training yeah. or coaching someone on the phone. I'm imagining that I'm speaking to a friend six months into the future, and I'm speaking to him about like everything that I've achieved. I'm bringing in this much money. I'm feeling this. I've let go of that. And every single time that I do it, these things that I speak out loud, it, I speak it into existence. So now you know. And that has that, that has so how long you've been doing that and and has there been it? signs of that you've done that for um, a while now and you've seen things play out from doing since that since when I, I used to live in my mom's garage and I remember first learning about it from Bob Proctor do you know who he is yeah yeah Bob Proctor and him used to say like if you say I'm so happy and grateful now that and you start saying as if it's already happened I did it like three years ago when I was living in my mom's garage and I used to speak out loud like everything that. How, my, how I wanted to be living my life. And I can tell you so many stories about how me being very specific about something, saying as if it's already happened, pretending that I'm speaking to someone, and then two hours later, something popping up where that thing just started to manif manifest. Like for example, it was, so I just moved places about a month ago and I wrote down like everything that I wanted in the house, the exact amount of money that I wanted to spend, like how many rooms it has, the theme of the house, I wrote everything down and then I went on a walk pretending that I was on the phone to someone speaking about like the house, like, bro, you got to see this house. It has these many rooms. It's like close to, it's close to this. It's like a white thing. It's so amazing. I'm going to send you pictures and just being in that vibration, like feelings if it's already done. Two hours later, this is a month ago, two hours later, I went onto Facebook. The first thing that popped up was this house that was for, for rent. And I was like, holy shit, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Went to that house. As soon as I walked in, I was like, this is it. Like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And then straight after that, about five minutes in the conversation, I said to the dude, look, I'll take it. This is exactly what I've been looking for. So I can say so many stories, like examples like that, getting clear about what it is that we want, speaking as if it's already happened. The universe responds. Because you've got, you've got a, because what I know of you, you were once a PT, yeah, right. You're working in Australia, yeah, six years in Australia, working with a lot of, you know, you're doing a lot of group fitness, right? Yeah. So, how does, because because a lot of men, let's like Australia is quite a very like in a sense masculine yeah. in a lot of ways, especially with the men, yeah, right. Um, which is neither here nor there. You know, masculine carries a negative connotation, which I have a really hard time with, yeah. um, in the way that people kind of associated with, with the things they associate with these days big but, muscly stoic like well even thing. just in the negative ways of, of of which people correspond every bad behavior a man displays must be down to exactly. masculine right but so how did you how did you go from sort of being in that kind of environment because that's sort of similar to what i was in yeah. um and then learning about manifestation because i know for me you know the first time it popped up it was like the secret comes out yeah. the secret's like you just have to think things and that's <laughs> like right and that's how a lot of people think of manifestation is just like you just think positive but that's not how it works is it and how yeah. did it like how did you come across it and then why did you sort of get into it well i i you and i can relate to a lot of the same thing in terms of like for for me for example i used to have a really hard time feeling my emotions and because in the past when I when I grew up like my dad was in the army and stuff like super what you could say what like just not really speaking about emotions and so mm. on and for me I always had a hard time doing that because whenever time I would express my emotions I would be told to like shut up stop crying sometimes I didn't physically hit 
And I always had that hard time, which was, and I remember when I first, the reason why I share that is because I remember when my friends first told me about the secret, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. And I don't <laughs> believe in this shit. <laughs> like, well, you just put your thoughts out there. You, you said that, yeah, you just put a check in the, you, you think that there's a check in the mail and that's going to come. And I just used to think that it's just all bullshit. And I can't remember, I can't pinpoint an exact moment exactly when I was like, oh, it clicked. But I did read The Secret. And then after that, little little by little, I started to realize just the power of thoughts and the power of our intentions. And if you take out all the woo-woo stuff away, yeah. it just makes sense that if you think awesome, then you're able to navigate life much more effectively than if you're thinking negative, if you're thinking about what you don't want, if you're thinking about how life is constantly uh, you know, out to get you. It's a total different experience of life. You're going to have a total different behaviors based on that mindset, you know, but there's a totally different energetic thing that's going on when you have a thought. And I thought about this yesterday. I was, I was eating um, dark chocolate, right? And I was thinking that if I didn't have a nose, I wouldn't know that there is this invisible thing that's going on, but I'm only able to know that there is this smell there because I have a nose. And I just started to think about what else is going on around me right now that I'm not able to pick up because I don't have the instrument to be able to receive that thing. You know what I'm talking mm. about? It's like there's there's Wi-Fi signals going through us right now, but we can't see it because we don't have the instrument. But we have a phone that says there is this Wi-Fi signal here. And it's the same thing with thoughts. Every single thought, every single, in single intention has energy that we're literally sending out. And I get that this might sound woo-woo, but it's real. There's real forces that goes on. Well, look at, you know, we know that there's such a thing as sonar. We know exactly. that we know that whales can pick that up. Yeah. We know dogs can hear wolf whistles. We exactly. aren't capable of picking that up. Mm -hmm. Right. We're known to be the only creatures on earth that can induce stress by a thought. Exactly. You know, a gazelle runs around, gets chased by a lion. As soon as it's finished being chased, it goes back to normal. But we keep forecasting these horrific things or anticipating horrors or living in the past. Never again. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's a, that's an interesting thing that I mean, when I first started going into personal development and growth, that was a big thing that was spoken about. And I was quite resistant to a lot of um, stuff because it was like, mm, it's not tangible. It's like just hopeful thinking and all that sort of stuff. Right. And then you start to break it down even to like, you know, you, you, you hear people like, um, Joe Dispenza talking about things from a very practical, quite tangible sort of understanding way. And that's sort of where I started to understand that concept a little bit more. But you were just mentioning a little bit about because Matt's main work, and this is a lot of what we're going to talk about today, is you're working with a lot of people as far as uh, healing trauma and um and becoming more emotionally equipped to be able to navigate through life. Mm. Right. And obviously one of the big things around that is sort of your childhood. Exactly. So you were talking a little bit about your childhood, right? And I think that's obviously something that you've got a really good grip on is being able to pay attention to some of the things that sort of you were raised at and the effects that now they've flowed into and how they've manifested into adulthood, right? So yeah. do you want to share a little bit about um, just for context about your childhood? Yeah, for sure. So and I and I can also speak about like the importance of understanding our childhood as well. Like one of the big things that I focus on with my clients and myself is inner child work because who we are today is a very has a very big who we were, how we grew up, sorry, during childhood has a very big impact on who we are today. And during childhood, all of us have these different needs, right? 
for healthy childhood development. And that's the need to be seen, the need to be heard, the need to be physically comforted. Like when a baby starts crying, the mom or dad comes over, starts rocking the baby, oxytocin starts to be released and the baby calms down, right? They need to be seen, they need to be heard, they need to be physically comforted and the need for that safe space for childlike wonder and for us to listen to our intuition. And our inner child is just the accumulation of all those needs not being met. So when we weren't seeing growing up, like if you come back from school and you have a painting that you put on the refrigerator or the fridge and you put so much effort into that and then you don't get any compliment, then you might not feel loved because it's such a hel- it's a it's a big need for healthy childhood development. All of us need to be like, yo, like I saw you, I see how much effort that you're putting into your homework and I just want to let you know that that's not going unnoticed. Keep going. You're amazing. And if we don't get that, then we start growing up thinking that we're not awesome and we start maybe getting it from partners, right? So for me growing up, there was a lot of not being seen by my dad. Like my my mom was just this, still to this day, so unconditionally loving. And my dad, on the other hand, still super loving, but from like zero to eight, he was going through his own evolution. Now he's a totally changed man, but between those critical times that was necessary for healthy childhood development, my dad was, you know, drinking alcohol, drugs, and I won't share all of his stuff, but he, he was going through a lot. And for me, it, it felt like I wasn't loved. And even though he was demonstrating a lot of love, it felt like from my perspective, being living in this egocentric perspective. And what that basically means is from zero to eight, we are living in a paradigm, which is like egocentric, which is basically everything is about me, 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 me. So as a baby, if you're four years old and let's say that mom or dad walk away from you, like let's say you're in a shopping center and then you get lost. As a kid who doesn't have the ability to have to have like critical thinking, they can't say, oh wait, maybe mom just went away for a little bit. Maybe as a kid, you're egocentric. Everything is about you. You might feel like, oh, mom abandoned me. I'm by myself right now, you know? So... That happened a lot for me um, during childhood. And a big part of my healing work was being able to be the dad that I needed between zero to eight years old, you know? And one of the patterns that I've just found out recently is like a lot of the stuff that I was craving from partners was exactly what I was trying to get from my dad. And it was like a massive breakthrough for me where I felt like coming back to, you know, the five love languages, right? Mm -hmm. So one of my big love languages is physical touch and words of affirmations. And I didn't realize that these two things was birthed out of me not getting that during childhood from my dad. And then me trying to get, not me um, desiring that, but me needing that from another partner, you know? So part of my own healing work was actually the same thing that I was trying to get from a partner is me looking in the mirror and saying, Matt, you're awesome. Matt, you have an amazing body. Matt, like everything that I've been craving from a partner, you know, and that's been super healing for me. Last night I was doing that exact thing. I was just like giving myself a massive hug and just giving myself that words of affirmation because I feel like it's such a, it's such a big thing for inner child work and healing trauma. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you spoke a little bit about like, you know, like as a kid, the way I kind of explain it sometimes is like you, you, you've either got your, your boundaries are sort of like a house. You, you either got two rigid ones where there's no knob on the door 
Yeah. Either you've got two loose ones, you've got no boundaries, which means that you've got um, the doorknob on the outside and anyone can basically walk in at any point in time. But for a kid, it's like having a house with no door at all. Exactly. Everyone walks in and walks out. Yeah. And then basically everything that happens within that point in time then shows up when we're older and like even though a lot of adults and and one of the posts we're going to talk a little bit we're going to pull from some of the posts that you put up mm-hmm. and get you to speak more on that um but a lot of, a lot of i mean you you, you you use a lot of humor which is which i love which is which is incredible right but um the big thing that a lot of people don't understand is that even though you're an adult it doesn't mean that there's that there's not a child in you that still is exactly. craving things. Just because you, the adult part of you, doesn't want to get get on the front foot with things, mm-hmm. still doesn't mean that version of you yes. has has decided that they're good, mm-hmm. right? And then that obviously shows up and manifests in a lot of different ways. Have you noticed that that's played out? So you mentioned with your relationships. Yeah. What is what are some of those things that, that you've noticed for yourself that you that you that you think show up in a lot of the people you work with as well? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the same thing when it comes back to like whatever it is that we're craving in a partner, it, we wanna get to the point where it's coming from a point of preference rather than need. You know, preference is I feel already so full that now I get to like, whether, whether someone gives me a compliment, whether someone physically comforts me, I don't need it, but I just desire. It's just a preference. I prefer mm. you to love me this way, but I don't need it. Need is like, I'm so, I haven't been getting that from childhood. I haven't been giving it to myself and I need you to give that thing to me. And if you don't give it to me, then that means I'm not lovable or that means that I'm not good enough or that means that I feel abandoned because I didn't get that during childhood. You know what I mean? So that was a big pattern for me. And as I've started to notice that for myself, I'm really starting to notice that with, clients that I work with as well. And it's a, it's a process, you know, a lot of us feel like once we have that breakthrough, I'm sure as I'm sure you've noticed this as well within yourself is that healing is not just this linear process. Like you have a breakthrough and then you realize this and then you never have these challenges ever again. There's always extra layers of the, of the onion. There's always, do you you think that you can completely heal? Oh, that's a good question. And if so, like, and, and also mm-hmm. what does it feel like when people know that they've moved, been able to move through the, through the wounding? Yeah, that's a good question. So I feel like because we live in an environment where there is so, because we have a human starter pack called the ego, right? There's always going to be certain things. Always going to be doing this thing. Always going to be certain things. And I feel like that's part of life being able to move through these challenges right we live in this society where there's so many everyone has an ego there's always going to be some type of conflict that we get to work through so i don't know if we can completely heal where we are unless we want to live in a cave and not be associated with society then i feel like you know you probably can have just just not feel reactive or not feel like you get triggered because there's no stimulus but if you're living in an environment, especially if you're in a relationship or even just with friends or family, there's always going to be something that that shows up. But what it does look like, there's little things like in terms of inner child work, there's a wounded inner child and there's a nourished inner child. Signs of a nourished inner child is things like, can you, can you rest? 
can you honor your feelings? Are you in a place where I feel angry, I feel sad, and that means that it's bad and it's negative? Or are you starting to see it as, oh, there's just some energy flowing through my body. Let me just honor it. There is something here. Or can you indulge in your childlike wonder? Are you able to draw? Are you able to sing? Are you able to paint and just create with no expectation of it being anything other than you just immersing yourself in that because it brings you joy. Just like when you're a kid. As a kid, I loved drawing. There was no, I'm gonna draw this so I can sell this later on, or I'm gonna draw this because it was just total presence. It just sparked so much joy. That's a sign of a nourished inner child, right? And whether that be singing, dancing, I believe that true creativity and honoring your inner child is being able to do that with no expectation. Just doing this, you fucking love doing it, right? There's that. Are you able to minimize the time between a conscious response to an unconscious reaction? Did I say that? Oh, that maybe it's the opposite way around. Minimizing the time between an unconscious reaction to a conscious response or the other way around, yeah. right? Like it's not about never getting triggered, right? It's just about, do I live there? Can I minimize the time between that? Like that's a sign of healing as well. Not never getting triggered, but just getting very well practiced at minimizing that time between, oh, I feel so angry to <sighs> neutral, you know, tranquility or being able to respond rather than react. So those are a few signs where you feel like you're starting to make some progress. It's not about being perfect, but just being well-practiced at it. Yeah. So one of the things, one of the things that I want to ask you is that you were working in health and fitness. You were working with people yeah. that obviously want to improve their health and wellness for whatever reasons. And this is something that I'm seeing from a lot of people in the fitness realm is they're moving into sort of coaching in a different sense with yeah. mindset, mentality and emotions, all these things. Is that sort of what you saw? Did you Were you working with a lot of people and working with them on that front, on the physical front and with the exercise and the diet and all that sort of thing, yeah. but noticing that there was something still blocking it? Is that sort of where you leave? Because I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, what made you transition from working with that? Was it the fact that you were working within that, within that, <clears throat> within that industry mm. and really realizing that a lot of the reasons why these people were seeking you out yeah. are not the physical or the needing the diet exactly. or the things. It was something else. Is that how you navigated into that sort of line That's of exactly work? Exactly it, bro. And again, starting with my starting with myself, I noticed that for myself, like how I started getting into exercise was it was birthed out of pain. So as a kid, I was constantly called fat Matt, constantly meaning the first year of my high school days, not throughout all of high school. But hearing that so many times, I started to feel like my, my self-perception of myself was just so distorted. No matter how much weight that I lost and no matter how much muscle that I gained, all I saw was fat Matt. No matter, there was no amount of weight that I could lose or no amount of muscle that I could gain that would make me love myself. Your identity didn't move. Exactly. So that's, so I started to first notice that for myself and then with others, a common theme that I always found is like, one of the things that I loved doing was either after a session or between sets with people was ask them about like, how's everything going? Like, oh, I'm binge eating. Why are you binge eating? Oh, this thing's going on in my relationship. I just feel, feel stressed out with money. I'm not living my purpose. And I just feel like just food just gives me this, this, this escape. And hearing that so many times, especially with boot camp, you have like 30, pe 30 people in a session, you start to see patterns very easily. And that was the thing that I loved more than actually training people was after a session or between session was the speaking to them about their life. So it was just a natural progression because my passion was definitely training people, 
but it was more so the psychology and helping people with why it is that they actually turn into food or why is it that they keep under eating or why is it that they feel like they have to compensate the next day by eating 500 calories or 1000 calories because they had a little bit more food the day before. Like, why is that, you know? And yeah, that's, that, that was just a, a natural progression. Most of it, I feel like most of it is a psychology or emotional root issue, you know, and people are trying and people meaning me at first was trying to compensate by getting a better body, better meaning whatever it is mm -hmm. that you think is better because there is a deeper layer that feels like you're not good enough and there's no amount of weight that you could lose or muscle that you could gain that would fix that, you know? And I've had that for myself. I don't know if you ever experienced this where I remember looking at photos to this day where I had more muscle from playing rugby league. And I look at that photo, I'm like, holy shit, I, I'm, I look ripped. Like I have a lot of muscle then. But if I was to put myself in that mind state back then, there was no, or very little self-love. Like I couldn't see what I'm seeing now because back then it, my psychology, my, my self-perception was distorted by my beliefs about myself. So I feel like majority of it is a psychological or emotional deep rooted issue. I feel like you have to have that understanding within the fitness realm. Cause I know a lot of people can really pin things down. Like a lot of health professionals, that's an area of their life that they've got in yeah. order. Right. Yeah. That's not where their cruxes are playing out. So it's very easy for some people to go when people are not taking the actions, doing the things that they ask in the way it's supposed to be. And it's like, not training as much as I should. Mm. Why is this person just so lazy? Why, right? And it's like, well, hold on. You need to get off your high pedestal here. Yeah. You have a real good look at your life because this is where I know. Like when I work with people that want to have a body transformation without robbing Peter to pay Paul, mm -hmm. not robbing some other aspect of their health and then navigate over here, uh, navigating over here, mm -hmm. they have to come up holistically um, for me anyway. Um, I know for me, it's like that allows me to be more empathetic and understanding of their process and journey. And I can get on the same level just because I'm well equipped and my cruxes don't play out with my eating or my exercise. And that just so happens to be a high value of mine as well. Does not mean that it hasn't manifested in other ways in my life. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I know you talk about a little bit about some of the things that, um, which I love about you, mind you, um, the fact that you're, you're, if anyone, if you have followed Matt's journey or you followed him on Instagram or you've known him throughout, throughout this, there's one thing you got to know about Matt and he is so committed to, um, sharing his process and his journey from such a human level and sharing what he's going through as he's going through it and the cruxes and things that he's developed, which I love because yeah. a lot of coaches and everything try to put themselves on this above human sort of pedestal, right? Exactly. For, for. I don't know if they think it's more for respect or it's better for business. Yeah. But I love the fact that the people around you can get a sense for, well, he's actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. He's he's in and amongst it. He's, he's and, and I kind of have this saying, like you're only as sick as your secrets. Yeah, I love that. Right? I've never heard that before. You haven't? Did you so, make that up? No, I've read it. I'm going to steal it, put it on my Twitter and just say, I created it, post it on my Instagram. <laughs> This is my quote, guys. Yeah, I'm going to create a whole podcast, basically, <laughs> going back on everything Matt I said Com. about you. Yeah, Matt Cameron says a fraud. Um, but I, I love that, and I've loved watching that. Like, even though some of the, over the years, sometimes, like, occasionally, like, you'll trigger the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, obviously, don't write anything back. Vegan, vegan stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe, some, maybe, maybe a little bit of some of your um, – uh, 
activism stuff yeah. at some times. Yeah. Not necessarily the things that you care about, but sometimes the methodology kind of triggered me. We've spoken a little bit about that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do love, and, and guys, you know, go and follow Matt and watch his process and journey because he, he does really show you the process as it's happening for him. And I know for me, I've spoken a little bit about my like um, uh, sort of like, you know, my sexual impulses over the yeah, time, like borderline that. sexual addictions at yeah. some point where that's was really kind of um, giving me a false pseudo sense of self-worth in a, in a sort, and sort of sense. You know, this is a difficult thing with a lot of cruxes, right, is mm. some are easy to kind of keep in the shadows and some are really you can't. And that's the trouble with a lot of people – the, with within when it when it manifests through the way that they um their relationship with food or exercise exactly is the fact that it's so relentless and it's 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 always in your face mm. and it's always reminding you and i and i honestly believe that a lot like most people really they don't hate their bodies they don't hate their bodies mm. they have a wound or something that's happened in the past which has led to a certain behavior or a certain crush which is now manifested in that way Yes. Right. And seeing that every day is an unconscious reminder mm. of not being happy with the habits. And the reason I'm not happy with the habits is because the habits reflect what I'm trying to compensate for what happened back here. Exactly. So when we just look at people and go, you're just lazy or you're just this, or you just, you know, you don't care about it. It's not as simple as that. Yeah. And the reason I know that is because mine have shown up in other ways. And if I'm really honest with myself, they're just as difficult, but I get to then be all noble and righteous because they're not in the limelight and they're not it's in the forefront form, and form. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're over here and maybe they're more socially acceptable. I'm a young, young man. I'm, you know, no, no, no. It's like, oh, you can go and have sexual relations with a bunch of people. Oh, Paul, you, you know, it's yeah. like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's manifested and shown up in another way. It just so happens it hasn't shown up in that, that way. Exactly. And I've still got my battles elsewhere and it allows me to not be righteous in a sense of when we're working with people with their health and wellness is I understand that like, yeah, I've got my grip maybe in this way. doesn't mean I've got a grip across the board. Yeah. And you've openly spoken about yeah. your stuff in the past, right? For sure. Yeah. And I love that. I love what you said where even though you can't relate to the exact thing that other people go through and that's a big thing with empathy. And I learned this from, I don't know who, what her name was. It was a spiritual teacher that, I was listening to, I was at this seminar and she basically said the easiest way to gain empathy with others is if you can't relate to the same event or behavior, mm. you can relate to the emotion. So we might not be able to relate to someone being addicted to some type of drug, but we can maybe look at, oh, wait, I'm not doing the same. I'm not taking that drug, but I can relate to feeling pain and then turning to this thing, this other thing that I'm addicted to, this other behavior. So I might not be able to relate to that, but I can relate to the emotion. Mm. So that can be very easy for empathy. And I love that you said that, what was that quote with the shadow thing? The if You're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. That's been my biggest thing that I feel so energetically clear because I can't think of one thing right now that I've done in the past that I've had guilt and shame around that I haven't spoken out loud. Every single thing that I can think of right now, maybe there's something else, but right now of what I'm aware of, I've put it out on social media or I've said it to a friend or I've said it to a therapist or I've said it to a coach and I've just put it all out there and it just makes me feel so emotionally clear and energetically clear. Free. Free, right? And it's a big part of shadow work. Like shadow work are those things that 
all the behaviors, the thoughts and emotions that we put into the shadow, we put under the rug, we put into the closet because we feel like people are going to judge us for that or we're not going to be loved or whatever it might be. So with shadow work, the easiest way to do that is bring light to it. You bring light to a shadow, it dissipates, right? And the way that we can do that is just by sharing it out loud. So for me, something that I've been very, very open with is in the past, being super addicted to pornography and how it was just so, um, there was no control and how much it damaged relationships and my own body image as well. So one thing that I've shared in the past as well is that in terms of guilt and shame, shame being more about a belief about who I am. Guilt is more about like something that I've a done. Behavior. A behavior. I wasn't happy about, I'm not, I'm not impressed about that behavior. Exactly. Shame is like, Me. I'm bad. That behavior was bad, but shame I'm is bad. I'm bad. Yes. And one thing for me that I held a lot of shame around in the past was how much, because from 13 or 12 years old, like watching porn to all the way to um, eight months ago when I really started to focus on getting help with this, that's a, well, how many years is that? That's like nearly, that's, that's a lot of years of conditioning, of seeing, okay, this is what sex is. This is how your body parts are supposed to look. I didn't get, I, there was no sexual education in school. Like this is the body part. This is what it's supposed to look like. I had no idea. And I shared, I had a call with my deep end clients two weeks ago about shadow work. And I shared this with them. And I said, one of the, my biggest insecurities was I didn't know, like, what is the average size of a dick? Like, what, what's the, like, what is it supposed to look like? For me, I, all I saw was in porn, like these fucking massive dicks, right? Yeah. And then massive, massive, (laughs) ridiculous. And then me also hearing like all black people are supposed to look like this. Like there was a, there is this, what's that word? It's like, um, there's a word that I'm looking for. It's like these, this type of culture, there's like a belief under, it's like, there's a belief around Chinese people can't drive or Asians can't drive. Stereotype. Stereotype. That's the word I'm looking for. So that's like the stereotype. If you're black, then that must mean that you have like this big dick, right? And then I'm looking at these pornography videos, me looking at myself in the mirror, I'm like, this doesn't match up. I don't, I don't have like that. So then every single time that I'd have a sexual interaction with someone, as soon as the pants come off, I felt like this massive amount of shame, like so damn much. And um, it wasn't until I started to speak it out loud and I started to just work through it that it, and even just being able to speak about this, there's no nerves. I can just speak about it. There's no energetic or emotional mm. charge around it because it's like, it's just a body. It's just skin. There's no difference between that, my ears, my nose. It's just like just releasing that shame around that. So being able to speak that out loud to clients, being, I've said it on podcasts before and just mm. how, how much porn has um, affected me in an unhealthy way in my mind and also really, really struggling with erectile dysfunction in the past. Like how at eight, 19 years old or 20 years old, that was a big challenge. And I started to realize like, shit, I got to get help with this. This is a compulsive behavior that I just feel like it's birthing out of pain. It's ending in pain. I can say, I can see how it's not serving me but i still turn to it like what the fuck is going on right but that's a big thing right it's like it's the fact that you've got you don't feel like you've got control over it exactly right you're not making a 
you're not able to or not. Yeah. It, you're being governed by something in the unconscious and it's very difficult to fight against it, right? That's the yeah. compulsive, either in compulsive, withdrawn, yeah. not, not inflicting anything, mm-hmm. impulsive, can't control, right? Under eating, compulsive, overeating, exactly. impulsive. And that's the way I felt at one point, right? Like so much, and I think that's the biggest way of being bringing to light anything is to look at what you vehemently deny the most as being an issue. Mm-hmm. To bring out the uh, the unconscious into the conscious, you have to go, what do I vehemently deny the most? Yeah. And for me with like my sexual impulses, like it's just personal preference. Yeah. It's just, you know, like. Is that what happened for you? <laughs> you felt like it was just a, like what was a, what was a thing that was coming up for you in the past? Um, look, I, and it was only like, it, it wasn't as bad, like it wasn't horrible, but it was getting to a point where I felt like I didn't have as much of a control. Like I was getting up at like midnight. I go to bed, half asleep, wake up. All right. Check my messages. Oh yeah, and I'd I'd, I'd go off and I'd I'd Adventure. go and get uh, go and get sex and then I was like, you what that like you wouldn't get up for hardly anything else at that point in time. Yeah, you're unconsciously going myself. You're not in control of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to then it go, like bring it out of the like. That's why I say the things that you kind of say. That's just how I am, or that's yes. my right. There's not. It's rarely that. Right, it's really just how I am. Yes. Right. Some things are personal, private, but a lot of times, what you vehemently deny is not being issues. Like there's something there, mm. and um, so I just remember feeling like I'm not as in control of this as what I thought. Because if I was in control of it, it's not necessarily as much of an issue. And you'd be able to stop. You'd be like, oh yeah, this doesn't. Stop. This isn't. This isn't a personal preference anymore, and you'd be able to stop. Yeah, and I could stop seeking that for validation, and and I just realized at one point that I was like, I'll go and see what happens when I stop. And I felt like shit. What happened? Tell me. I felt that. like shit. Did you go? You went sell. I it? just stopped. Like, just stopped seeking it. Because, because eventually, I got to a point where I was like, because this is the hard thing about that. It's like when society says, "Oh, being a young man who's able to go and get um, sexual suitors, yeah, reference a regular often." That's ad, that's admirable, right? Yeah. So it's very hard to go and see that as an it. issue, yeah. right? Yeah. But this is the problem, and this is what we typically see. And this is my concern. And this is a difficulty as far as getting on the front foot on something that isn't necessarily causing you that much of an issue now. Mm-hmm. It's not causing me too much of an issue now, right? So that's, that's a difficult thing to go and forecast that thing giving you issues in the future. Exactly. Because let's hypothetically say we take, the ver- take into account the variables. Let's say I'm older. Maybe not as virile and, and as attractive as maybe some people would consider now. Yeah. Maybe I've got kids and I've got all these things, but that's still my crux. Mm-hmm. That's still my outlet, mm-hmm. right? But it's not as accessible as it once was, right? So now I'm not able to get as much. What does that turn into? It could then turn into unhealthier behaviors. Exactly. Right? It could then re-divert itself into not being gained through um, sexual impulsions. It could be then gained through gambling or could be gained through alcohol could be gained through it could be something else just because changes form. the thing ha- yeah it hasn't the, the thing that's underlying hasn't been attended to which just because that thing is not how you're expressing anymore doesn't mean it won't manifest somewhere else again and that was my biggest concern it's like there's going to be a point in time where the variables are not the same so and true. if you don't get on the front foot with it now it's going to have irreversible damage on on you and those around you at maybe a period of point in time where you've got a relationship with someone or you've got family and you're not, you haven't got a grip and that's the way that you get your pseudo self-worth from. Yeah. So the way that I kind of tested to see sort of was like, can I feel just as good about myself mm. when this isn't the case? And when I took myself out of it, 
I remember I was in London <clears throat> and I just felt like shit. I just felt like shit. I'd, I'd have these knee-jerk reactions going, no, 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 no. Yeah. And it was like palpable. It was like something just underneath, just like, and that's where I re- re- realized, like I'm doing it without thinking about it. And it's like I'm unconsciously governed, yeah. which means now I'm not in control because I'm not doing it from a conscious place. It's just I'm on automatic. Mm. It's just what I'm doing. Front. It's not that the behavior itself was necessarily an issue. I don't think me necessarily it was what the what the what it meant. And what was it was what it meant for me and what was underneath it and what was the driving force behind it. It wasn't the thing itself. Yeah. It was underlying. And I was like, yeah, you might be able to scoot by on the fact that it's one of the more socially acceptable ones, right? Isn't that right? But it's still got the same issues as someone who's maybe it's manifesting in other ways. And that could be the more dangerous thing for me is the fact that it's potentially seen as more socially acceptable. Exactly. It could, it, like, and then I go, oh, I don't have to then change. Get, on, get on the front foot with it and I don't have to change it, which means that I then don't turn to looking at the, the, the issues and what could be, you know, then you start to look at your lineage and start to look where your trauma is and start to look at these things. And it was like, okay, well, maybe my, like, and then the way, where I realized some of it could have stemmed from as someone who didn't like to look at, like with this generational trauma stuff that you work a lot on, yeah. Um, I was someone that never wanted to blame anyone. I'm not a victim. I didn't like the idea of being victimized. So I never went to go and blame anything on anyone. Mm-hmm. Never. But there's a massive difference between searching for a cause. Yes. And looking to blame. Yeah. Right? Good distinction, man. Yep. And when I went to look at it, I was like, well, my father wasn't necessarily as emotionally available or yeah. expressive of his emotions. And because I wasn't necessarily hearing it or receiving it in the way or feeling it, he said, I loved you, but I didn't necessarily feel it. Yeah. And, and that then transpired into later on in life, the more multiple sexual partners I get, the means that the more loved I am, the more accepted I am by a whole bunch of people, right? The more, the means the more people validate me and respect me. And I was just like, just all trying to counter, counter, counteract Damn. that that aspect of my youth and you don't know this is how it's manifesting playing out of course this, not. it's sneaky it's as deep, shit very deep sneaky deep as shit right so and that was a tough thing why are you going to go and search for stuff when it's not ultimately causing you because like that and that was the trick it's like well let's go and see if it will potentially can what are variables that could cause it oh here that here are some all right go and start to have a look yeah right and then it start to look back at or the, the trauma in the lineage. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily any one person's fault because they've all got their winning due to effects of this. Yes. And then as you look at it, it's all spread out. Exactly. Have you know, so have you, have you found like, that's a little bit sort of where I've noticed it for me yeah. and obviously healing the way that I sort of have my relationship around how I view my father yes. and where his could have stemmed from. And now understanding where his could have stemmed from having a hell of a time more empathy and a lot more gratitude for him. Yeah. I love that, man. Thanks for sharing all that as well. Like, I, I love that you can open up about that because I'm sure there's so many people who are listening or watching right now that can maybe not, again, not relate to the same thing, but can relate to like, oh yeah, I check my phone a lot. Oh, I check my, I keep drinking a lot. I keep, there's, it's, there's some behavior that is birthed out of pain, ends with pain, then there's this ongoing loop. The way that it ends up yeah, expressing itself might be the variable, but a lot of the things are still 
exactly the same. 100%. And that's why I didn't see myself as any more noble or better. Like I had my shit together because it was just showing him in a way that I could keep in the shadows if I really, really wanted to. Yes. If I really, and I could make it out like I'm, I'm, Oh, you know, sweet. Um, yeah. I've got no known things to work on, right? Man. I, I just didn't want to function like that, though. Exactly. Because I, I, I remember, I'll, I'll come back to what you mentioned, and I just want to share, when I used to go to 12-step meetings, right, there was this one time where I went to this 12-step meeting, and I didn't know, because uh, there was a 12-step meeting I used to go to for sex addiction, porn addiction, okay. all these different addictions. And there was this one time that I showed up to the, to the meeting, but I thought it was for people with sex addiction, porn addiction, but it was for alcoholism, right? And I didn't have a challenge with alcohol, but I just sat down for about 30 minutes. I didn't know it was actually for alcohol until people started sharing at the end. And without sharing their stuff to keep it in, with integrity, what I will share is that what I noticed was, and I shared at the end, I was like the last person to share. And I was like, I'm not even meant to be here, but I'm just starting to notice that Everyone, every, even though the behavior is different, everyone is saying the same thing. I just replaced alcohol with porn mm. and it's the same mm. shit. Yeah. It's the same thing. So, yeah. But and what made you want to go? Because that's me, a big difference. Like there's, there's like a lot of people know that they've got things. Yeah. And especially with men. Yeah. Men. And that's a big, a big, um, no, yeah, you're a, a big shining topic. example for, for, um, a man, a man navigating this this sort of space, yeah. which I, which I really love and appreciate. A lot of men can go and acknowledge, like, but actually get on the front foot. Yeah, I know that I'm having like I'm working on intimacy stuff right now, and actually doing the work yeah. is incredibly challenging. Mm. So, what made you want to go? Okay, I'm going to show up to a 12 step meeting, on, and was it on your own accord? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. it was on my own. The reason why I showed up was because. There was a moment, and I actually shared this on social media. There was a moment where I've said to myself, I'm going to stop. This is it. I'm done. And then I would go straight back. I don't know if you can relate to that. Five minutes later. Yeah. It's like, no more of this. I'm fucking done. I'm never again. Shit. There's this emotion that bubbles up. Let me just get the phone out. And you just can't control it. And no word of a lie, I would say it would probably be over 200 times, maybe even three probably two to 300 times where I've said that thing and then just went straight back. Mm. Like easily in the 200s, 300s, probably even more. I'm not too sure, I can't, I'm, but there's been a lot. And this was just like, I'm, I haven't tried it. I've tried so many different things. I've been to a therapist, I've been to this, I've done this, I've done this. I've done the healing trauma, I've done breath work, I've done psychedelics, like what? Like, let, let me just try and be open to something new. So that's that's the reason why I went. It was just this willingness and the, the moment that made me want to go was actually, there was a time where I relapsed and I probably watched porn and jacked off like six times in that night, like within a six hour period. Mm. I remember it was like daytime and then at nighttime and I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then I started to drink alcohol straight afterwards. And I was like, there is something going on here. Like I need to stop this. And then after that, I just stopped everything and I just said to myself, the next day, I'm gonna find find a meeting. And then there was another friend of mine who who's actually stopped being an alcoholic from going to 12-step meetings. And I remembered him and I asked him about it. And then he just gave me some advice about attending for the first time. So yeah, it was a massive event that happened. And then also one of my friends who told me about how, he, how it helped him I was like, let's just try it. Let's just see how it goes. And it did. It helped so much, you know. Yeah, I read a book called um, 
There's a couple of books I really loved that helped me. Was a, one was called Father Therapy. That was an interesting one because uh, I was walking through the bookstore and um, I saw it and I was like, oh, I'm going to get that one because I'm sure that I'm going to learn stuff that could help other people. I'm, I don't need this, <laughs> but this will help. This will, this will well equip me to help other people. Yes. And I read it and it was just like, hit me on just the spot. Just um, Another book was Healing the Shame That Binds You which my dog actually just completely destroyed the other day. Which is a good book. But towards the back, the back end, it starts to talk about 12, 12 step programs. And just for anyone that kind of thing, cause that's a hard thing for a lot of men. It's like going, sure. Sure I think enough. we have this issue with, and, and I, when I say we, I think a lot of us, and I know for me, we want to, we're, we're proud to the point. It's like, I want to work everything out. I want to work it out, but no one's ever equipped us to be able to be a good self-coach exactly right and it's like we create this ruminating circular line of thinking and it never gets broken up by any other different ideologies because we're so proud that we're just like we're going to work it out yes and when we're just not well equipped we just still right and we don't ask for help it's like i know for me if my fridge is broken i don't know how to fix fridge Mm. i'll call some up fix the fridge do i feel like my masculinity is threatened i don't know how to fix the fridge (laughs) right my car breaks down don't know um, do I'll, I'll have a look at it. I'll have a crack. I'll have a try. I could probably work it out over over three years if we're going to an apprenticeship, mm. or I go and, I can go and ask someone to help it. If this is if this other thing over here, it's like there's so many things that we're quite comfortable to go. But when it comes to that and seeking help with that aspect, yes, it's like we're just a lot of men just super super rigid. And I kind of think of it in a way, and this is the way that I look at it. That's kind of helped me be able to be accepting of of allowing people to give me more tools or to coach me or to mentor me or all these sorts of things is like I can reach a lot of spots on my back, mm-hmm. right? But I can't reach them all. I love that. And the person who massages me, who can reach them all, also can't reach their back. Yes. They can't needle out every every thing that every knot that needs to be knotted out Mm -hmm. so what do they do they have to go and see a massage therapist as well exactly and that massage therapist has to see another massage therapist even though they know how to do the thing Mm. that's a beautiful example metaphor and so it's like we think oh because just because i'm getting help from someone that that they don't need the same thing of which i'm asking yes right which 100 percent do and i think that sort of uh, that that uh, because i relate well to analogies it helps me See things in a diff. That's the way that I kind of like to learn. And once I realized I'm ridiculous, like I shouldn't say ridiculous, but I felt if I, if I, if I imagine me trying to do this, yeah, I've got a knot here, but I can't reach it. I'm just spending forever doing that instead of going, Hey, can I get a massage? It's like, yeah. Oh, do you need one? Yeah. I'm going to go get one. Mm -hmm. And it was like, from that, it's like, we've got these knots that need pressure Mm-hmm. but they need to be put on for something else because we can't reach them. And it's no blight on you. It's no blight on me. It's not a blight that I can't reach that thing, right? And that ideology and that analogy kind of loosened me up to going. And it's also like, what, what do you, where do you hold your pride? Exactly. I can, I'm proud of being someone that can work stuff out, but I'm also proud about being someone that's willing to understand that they don't know everything and they are accepting of help and and accepting of support. Mm. I pride myself on both and I have a good blend of both, yeah. but I just admit that I have a whole lot. And, but with mental health, it just seems as a lot of times with men, it's like, 
even though they're not well equipped. It's like me trying to fix um, a car. Yeah, I could maybe spend the next three years trying to work it out, or I could ask someone to be able to go and streamline the process for me. Thirty minutes is done. Well, go and like it's just effective, right? Yeah. But it's like, and I know that's where I got with my mental health. I was just like ruminating the same stories over. I got nothing stifled it, nothing broke it. I had no options as far as other questions to be able to break it up. Had no other perspectives because I just never, I never spoke about it. I never yeah. brought it out. I never gave it that op- that opportunity. Mm. Right. So true, man. And it just reminds me of what Einstein says, like we can't solve a problem from the level of consciousness that created the problem, right? And a lot of us are in, all of us are doing the best that we can from the level of awareness that we're at, the Mm. tools that we have available to navigate that situation and our own emotional wounds and trauma that we're carrying around. And that's the same thing with our parents and their parents and and our great grandparents and the list goes on. And all of that's, getting passed down to the point now we're here and there's this thing that's going on. We didn't get taught, hey, Ben, when you have like this emotion that shows up, when that happens, here's what you do. We yeah. didn't get that. We didn't get taught that from our parents or 99.9% of us probably. And in school, we didn't get taught that as well. Like how to regulate our emotions, emotional intelligence, yeah. how to, and because we didn't get taught that, by default, we might turn to porn, sex, food, phone, like whatever it might be, right? Netflix. And again, nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. It's about the intention and the space that it's coming from. That's the whole entire thing. And yeah, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a huge conversation that, especially for men, everyone, but especially for men. And the best thing is, is that with social media today, there's such, the, it's becoming more mainstream, like, so many people now know what it is, what it means to be when, when there's, when you're getting um, gas, like gaslighting, there's all these terms that are coming out. That's so it's becoming more common knowledge in a child work, shadow work before without social media, that wasn't going on. Now you don't even have to get on a phone with someone. Like some people it's death to actually speak to someone on the phone. You can text someone, you can be anonymous right now. You can go on Google and you can get all this help. So you can physically reach out to someone or you can just Google certain things on how to move through your emotions. The help is there. And like you mentioned, it does take a lot of letting go of the ego to be like, okay, shit, I don't really know how to move through this right now. Let me get some outside support. Takes a lot. But at the same time, it doesn't take a lot if you really think about it, you know? Yeah. I think there's like a synchronicity between, you know, with what you just touched on as far as like being able to show empathy in, in other people and assuming like, I wouldn't, with what happened and they experienced, I wouldn't have been able to show up any differently or any better had I lived the exact same set of experiences. Mm. But then in turn, when you're able to do that, you can go, well, no one else would be if they'd lived the same set of experiences, yeah. being able to show up or any, any differently than perhaps I was. But I do get to dictate how I move through this now, right? And that's that big empathy thing is like a lot of people do lack it on social media. Because like everyone like loves to be right and get on their righteous high horse these yes. days, right? Recovering of shame shows up in very interesting ways, mm. very interesting ways. And that was, and we've spoken about it before with how shame shows up and especially when we see it online with the way that people express their opinions. Yes. Often at times it's like this, reco- this recovering of goodness mm. because – 
I felt less than good before. Now I'm, I go over the top in retrieving this goodness. Yes. And even with coaches, it's like, again, this, this um, extremity of grandiosity between I was less than human, now I'm above human. And there are all these very subtle things as far as how the shame plays out, even in potentially things that are seen to be good mm. or noble. What are some examples that you can think of? As far as um, those little subtle things that comes out of what you just mentioned. Um, we've spoken so much about these sorts of things because it's just it's such a it's such a something I'm very interested in. It's something I'm I'm I see showing up a lot mm. is just the way that shame shows up and manifests in the way that we share or express our opinions about things yeah right it's it's it shows up in again a, a recovery of good we want to feel good we want to feel like we're a good person so sometimes when we've made poor decisions or bad decisions in the past or embarrassed about something or shameful about something that's happened in the past we try to over overcompensate by then doing all these good noble things but we go in such an extreme way where we're shaming people into our, our ideologies yes relying on their level of shame Mm. to get them on board with what we've been shamed, we've shamed ourselves into because it's less about the thing that we care about, that we care about. Mm. And it's more about, I just don't want to be another, I don't want to lay another level of shame onto me yes. or, be, or be perceived to be bad. Mm. And that's my real motive. And we can see that with when people express the things that they care about is that they take this hugely righteous tone where it's almost got an aggression behind it a lot of the time. Yeah. Anger. A lot of anger, which is, I mean, Fine. Anger is the only emotion that shame it can't bind. Um, can't bind. Can't bind. Like rage, it can't bind it. Yeah. Um, we we see it in that way. Yeah. Um, in this in this sort of righteous display of like, you need to care about things I care about just as much as me to validate me making a good decision on what is what is good and what is noble and what, what is right yeah you know um we also see it and again like we see it um when coaches which which i can this is why i acknowledge you in that is the fact that you're able to function within this human level as a coach or someone that is perceived so to important. have a higher level of knowledge or esteem or or has at least walked a few steps ahead of the people which they're coaching mm. right whereas a lot of people their shame manifests in I create safety away from shame yes. by placing myself above humanness, being a human. It's kind of like the lion, uh, the crocodile can't get me if I'm higher up yes. the tree. Mm -hmm. It's fear induced. If I'm up here and I'm noble and I'm good, I can't be shamed again. Right. And it plays between these two extreme polarities. We see that a lot within the spiritual realm, within the coaching realm is that, uh, I'm all light, love, yes. good, yeah. right? All these things that I want to tell myself. And it, it, it is this lack of shadow integration. So, um, again, I know you touched on a little bit, mm -hmm. but do you want to speak a little bit into like shadow integration? Because shadow integration, a lot of people think so it's just like your dark things, but shadow integration can also mean the, the lighter aspects or the Bro. good aspects of yourself that you diminish or you deprive yourself of. I literally just spoke about this again two weeks ago. Because that's that's a big thing, and to, uh, let me come back. I'll come back to that. So one of the things um, that is super important is being able, whoever it is that is a coach, to be able to share these things. Because 
I've had so many clients who have signed up with me purely because they said, oh, like I feel there's that relatability yeah. there. Feel safer. Feel safer. Like even when you shared your, the whole stuff around with sex, I instantly felt way more connected to you because I knew a little bit about that. You've shared that in the past, but you opening up like that, I felt so much more connected. And one of the things that I remember a mentor when I was younger told me, he said that accomplishments impress, but vulnerability connects. Mm. And it really just clicked for me of like, especially if I'm if, with the work that I'm doing, if I want people to open up, I can't be like, just share your stuff. I have to be the one that goes, here's all my shit. And instantly that's like a permission slip for others. Like in the deep end, it's crazy the things that people share and just open up with. Like the most huge things, but they wouldn't have been able to do that if I wasn't able to go first yeah. and be like, here is all my shit, you know? And with, so that's that's a big part of shadow work, being able to bring to the light the things that you feel sh shame and guilt around. The other part of it as well is being able to own things that maybe you have um, dismissed in the past, like your gifts, your talents, like things like if you are, so a big part of me, for example, was I feel like I have an awesome, I feel everyone. For me, right, is I feel like I have an awesome intuition. In the past, I felt like that was suppressed because of growing up with a religious dad and feeling like, oh, there is this thing that's going on. I can feel this way, but it's not aligned with the religion. It's just the devil speaking to me. Like, is this, it was just against that. So I would suppress this part of me. And other people, it might be singing or it might be dancing. So shadow work, shadow integration is being also being able to reclaim those gifts, your passions, your talents. What is it that lights you up? What makes time disappear for you? So yeah, shadow work doesn't always have to be the crying out and, and sharing all these things. It can also be very freeing, both yeah. freeing, but it can also be uh, lighter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The way like I ask people is I go, would you rather be good or would you rather be whole? Yes. I go, right, be hard. Okay, well, what's, what, what does that mean then? Mm. Good and bad. Yes. So like, and this is the thing with shadow integration. It gets to a point where like, I make a joke. It's like, if, if you ask 50% of people who, who know me, they'll think I'm one of the greatest people that they, that they know. Yeah. You ask the other 50%, they'll think I'm a complete asshole. <laughs> They're all correct. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And I have no desire to go and change any of that. Mm. Right. It's, it's being able to find that wholeness is in, in, in again, being humans, like we're both, we're both bad and good yes. and that's completely fine. And that's yes. completely normal. And that's a fair expectation. And when we, we can integrate that. And I know for, for a lot of my integration, we can see it a lot when people drink. Yeah. It comes out. It drink, it, it shadow, like your shadow shows up a lot when you drink. You see a lot of people who like come out with more fun and more jungly, like they're dancing and it's like, they're more loving and they're shit more expressive. Right. They're all good things. And you see the people that are like aggressive and like angry and, and all come with this permission. Alcohol is like a permission to be like, okay, I, I, I now no longer have an excuse. Right. I can just be the shadow comes to the surface. And yes. I guess because then once, once it dies off, we get to blame it on, Oh, it was the alcohol. It wasn't me. It was you, motherfucker. It was an aspect of you that you deny and you admit shit, but it's 100% within you. Everyone's got every trait there is. No one's without any trait. It just depends on how, how much is expressed or suppressed. They're the only different things. They're still all there, right? And I know for me, um, like a lot of the things that I repressed were um, like nice stuff, yeah. light stuff. I was kind of okay on the, on the dark stuff, but like on the light stuff, and you've spoken a lot about like 
you know, <laughs> he did a post and it was like, how someone receives love when they're being sung happy birthday he says, you know, yeah, um, like, oh my God. So basically I was saying that I believe, and just something that I've noticed within myself, but also others is like when someone's singing happy birthday to you, my belief is how you respond to when someone is singing happy birthday is a direct reflection of how you receive love. I don't know if it's 100% true. I just, I just believe there is truth to it. It's like some people will be like, oh, let me just sing along. Let me deflect. I don't want, I feel uncomfortable with this amount of love coming to me. So let me use humor as a way. I deflect so much, dude. <laughs> like you've spoken about stuff like, and this is, this is one of the things that you've, um, you've got, um, if I go through your Instagram, but I deflect a lot through humor, but I also like, I've had people over, this is one thing that I've had to learn as far as the deflecting, as far as people sharing appreciation towards me is like people would come up to me and go and, and say kind words to me. I go, you know what? I've just had more time than you to be able to learn. I, you know, once you share the, most, the same amount of time, you'll be able to do the same thing. Yes. Push it away, rejected it. Someone gives me love. I just, I, I, a little it or a lower it down and one of my mentors actually said well you know what you're doing is you're, you're disparaging their their opinion you're saying their opinion is not is no good it's pointless it's not valid and as soon as you're rejecting them sharing that for you and not just saying thank you very much you're saying your your opinion is worthless to me yeah, and i was like reflection. i was like that's not what i'm doing <laughs> but it's like it is kind of it's like because you're not like if they show you love it's like mm. and i was kind of like what do you want? It's a little part of me was like, there's got to be something else here. You can't, you can't just be like, give me love. There has to be something else. So, so I then started to have to develop that. Thank you, no, like I really appreciate that. Instead of going, you know what, no, it's like I'm not that special, I'm quite normal. Like all I've had time is just to learn. That's all it is, right? Thank you very much, but I'm not that special, right? It was like, and I think that was kind of like a safe thing. Is like I felt like if I got propped up here, I didn't get to be human. And I, I couldn't be at fault or flawed. So I, I I hated the feeling of being propped up. So I'd always bring myself back down. Yes. I think we see that a lot in, in Australians. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm, I'm going to cut myself down myself before someone else does, right? Yes. It's like, so that's where I deflect. I use a lot of humor. Like when we do the intimacy work with me and Paolo are doing a course for intimacy, intimacy stuff. Funny, it's like you feel it in the you feel it in your body flaring up, yeah. and it's like <laughs> I just I have this shit eating green on my face, and I'm like, how could I just feel it? Like you see it coming up in the boat, like, and it's like, so I've seen that a lot. Have you done, have you done um, eye gazing before, dude? You know what? We joke about this because I've done eye gazing, but <laughs> it brings up everyone. I'm, you know what I do. I'm, I'm, my eyes are locked in, but I'm u- using my peripheries. So I'm out. I'm, <laughs> so I'm out. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. I'm not there. It's like I'm here, but I'm also not. I'm not looking at you. <laughs> yes. I'm over here. That's I'm over so here. Good. I'm not connecting with you. So, so this person's hard. crying in front of me. I'm like, I'm looking over here because I can't. I don't want to connect, right? So yeah, that was cool. that's been a massive process for me. Um, a big struggle for me is. Um, uh, that we joke because we did an event out here and I was like one of the um, speakers or me and Neil and Joel did it and, and they know that so they threw me in it. Oh, no way. And I, was like, and I was like, I can do it. This is the thing, I can do it, but it's super, it, it's super uncomfortable to me. Yeah. Um, well, that, that makes sense in terms of like the, the 
intimacy because that's when someone's staring yeah. straight into your eyes it can it, 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 like I've just noticed little things like one of the things I just love doing is just looking at humans and just noticing certain things I even feel wearing sunglasses can be a form of this is not 100% true this is always like there's truth to it sometimes people can also use sunglasses as a way to prevent people from actually seeing them it's like a is like a, a wall, right? There's all these little things that subtle behavior that shows up with people that I feel like it, it can block them from letting people truly see them and you know letting them in. And I have the same thing. Mine was what was mine? Mine wasn't so much humor. Mine was more just shutting down. Like when someone would sing happy birthday, instead of like laughing with them, it would just be like freeze response. Like, I don't know how to handle this. I'm not gonna react. I'm just gonna be like look down or look away. Now, it, I feel like I'm awesome at that. It was my birthday, July 23rd, and I was just receiving everyone seeing happy birthday. And it's definitely a process that mm-hmm. at the start, it wasn't, wasn't able to do it. But um, yeah, I, one thing that I tell to my clients is that anytime someone gives you a compliment, instead of playing ping pong with them, I know, I like your hat, I like your hair. Like, instead of giving it back, just say thank you, yeah. that's it. That's, that's what like, I had to learn. It was just like, <laughs> thanks, I appreciate that so much. And not feel like become aware of anything that shows up. Let it be there. Oh it's no, you know what? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. and I just right. It, it's 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 funny. Like I, I think, and you do use a lot of like a lot of humor. Do you feel? Do you feel like that? Um, that helps with the process. Yeah. Like in some, like obviously, you know, in some ways, it's using reflection, but to like normalize things through humor, I found is 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 making things lighter that are typically quite heavy. Especially with mental health and trauma and stuff like that. Like humor, humor is healing, especially, and it's it's easier received when you can combine entertain, uh, education with entertainment, whatever that might be, humor, whatever it might be, any form of entertainment, mm-hmm. it digests way easier, you know. And that's also part of my inner child work is using humor as well because being super shy growing up, I had to go through my own process of being able to use my voice and being able to, that that's that's my creative side of me, trying to find, like I love TikTok because it, it, it you it's a, a creative platform where you can let that side of you out. It's like inner child work, just how can I make this funny? How can I make this more engaging, you know? Because the work typically a lot of times feels quite heavy. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think that's what people always like, feel like it needs to be. It's like this heavy. And a lot of it, a lot of it is. There's a lot of stuff there, right? We we get it, but I think um, I think that's the cool thing about what you do is like you you're making it quite a like it's like I think for a lot of people I think it's just a me thing. Mm. I think the more that they see it's like there's commonalities. Like I know for me when I've spoken on stage, it's like someone's good. It felt like you were talking straight at me, and all the things I've been talking about, talk about because they're very widespread. Yes, and it's like people. It felt like it was just talking to me. It's like. I probably did say there's probably a good other 200 people that are probably thinking the exact same thing, right? But there's one thing that on your Instagram that I wanted you to touch on, and it was you, you spoke a little bit about people becoming like addicted to personal development, yeah, and what that means, right? You, people are chasing down all the gurus, reading all the books, getting to the events, they've been doing it for years. Where does that become an issue? This is, this is with everything coming back to with the addiction that we spoke about before. It's not about the thing, it's about the place that it's coming from. So this, I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with reading a book or watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast or going to an event. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but sometimes a book, a podcast, a YouTube video, whatever it might be, is just a subtle distraction from taking action on what you already know. There's this part of you that's like, I want to, let's take, it's an example. I want to start a business. And there's this deep-rooted fear of, well, I don't want to start a business because if I start a business and it doesn't work out, then that means that my mom and dad's not going to approve of me, which means that they're not going to love me, love me, which means that my abandonment issues are going to come up. So instead of facing this thing, let me read another book 10 years later. It's not the right time. Let me just one more book, one more coach, one more thing. And it's just this endless loop. Now, maybe people can't relate to that, but there is their own version of that. You know, it's there is this subtle thing that's going on within where it's just more, 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 more. And when when do we start going, okay, I've read enough books, I know enough in order for me to take action on this. So yeah, it's a very subtle pattern. I've been I've been in that trap before where I was using more courses as a way for me to not do anything, right? It was like this dopamine hit that made me feel good enough to not actually do anything. So, yeah, it's very subtle. People can start identifying. It's like they've been there days, but being up here now, identify with being someone that's healing. Do you feel like people can get in this loop of just identifying as being in he- like healing? Ah, uh, like so not so much personal development, but you're talking about um, like when does it get to the point where you've healed enough, is that what you're talking about? No, just people getting, like, they, they identify as always perpetually healing one thing or another. Yes. It's always, like, always something. three, four years down the track. Oh, I'm healing this now. I'm healing this now. It's yeah. like they get addicted to... But then the people would go, well, why would anyone want to just always be healing? Wouldn't they want to get over it? Yes. Have you noticed that? Because that's something that I've noticed in some people. Well... It, so this is something really interesting in psychology. There's something called secondary gain. Have you heard of that before? Mm. So secondary gain, for those who don't know, it's put simply, it's when we're receiving some type of benefit for holding onto a problem or staying somewhere. And sometimes if we're, let's say, constantly healing from something, we might be getting attention from others. Mm. And if I'm letting go of the healing, if I'm letting go of the wound, then I also let go of the attention that I'm getting from other people. And that happens where I've worked with clients who have been uh, working with my clients but helping them navigate through with their parents because you know our parents grew up in a totally different time and, and so on so sometimes their parents and clients will hold onto a problem subconsciously because if they were to let go of that challenge then you know there's something else going on perfect example without this is a common pattern without giving specifics i've worked with people when i was personal training for six years and again, I was like obsessed with psychology because it's just a big passion of mine. When I first learned about this, some of the patterns that I saw, I don't know if you know this, but the statistics of people getting sexually abused is insane. Like how many people actually get sexually abused? And one big thing that would happen was, let's say a client who has been sexually abused as a kid by either a family member or someone else. And what happened was their deep root belief was if I let go or if I'm too sexy or if I'm desirable then that means now I'm more vulnerable to that thing that happened when I was seven years old happening again so consciously they want to lose weight right but subconsciously they're holding on to the weight because it's a protection protective mechanism 
from a trauma that happened when they were seven years old. Yeah. So if they were to lose that weight, then that means they're now more desirable. If they're more desirable, then men are going to see them a certain way. If men are seeing them a certain way, then when they're out at 8 p.m. at the club and they're walking home by themselves or whatever it might be, that thing that went on might happen again. So they will turn to binge eating and it, and it manifests very subtly. Like They start to create these justifications. Well, I've trained very hard. I've lost two kilograms. Might as well have some pizza. And that is like the gateway to the next day. I had pizza yesterday. It's Sunday. Might as well keep going. And yeah. Monday comes along, and it just it, it, it's this very subtle thing that starts to show up. So yeah, sometimes it can be an addiction, and sometimes it's something deeper going on, like secondary gain. I think I, yeah, I've definitely seen that as like if I didn't have this thing to heal from, I would take like people think if I'm. If I wasn't bound by this, yes. I would do this. But then moving from that space and then being able to be afforded the space to then do the thing that I want to do then provides a possibility of inviting another wound that's uncommon. Yes. So I don't want to be free of this because if I'm free of this, it means that I don't have any any crux or anything to, to stop me from doing the thing. But then doing the thing could potentially create another wound in something that I'm uncertain of or I don't, I'm not unaware of. So I much prefer the pain that I'm com- I'm familiar with. Yes. Better the devil I know. Better the devil you don't know. Is that right? Better the devil you know, right? Yes. So again, it's the same as like when people blame their partners. It's like, no, that's actually what you love about them, the fact that they're not supportive. And they go, no, it's not. I go, well, if that, if, if that, wasn't, if that was the only thing that would get in your way, and then you would be left with nothing and then you'd actually go and have to take action. And a lot of people go, well, I would if my partner was more supportive. And they go, I hate that about them. Like, I don't think that might be it. I think it's actually the thing you really love about them because you still continue to keep them in your life and you keep using that as the reason as to why you can't progress and you keep holding on to that, right? So it's funny how the the brain works, right? Yeah, damn ego, man. uh, and the ego, the way that I see it is, I see it as a very close friend of mine. I, my relationship with my ego, I believe, is awesome. Like, I love my ego. Like, I don't feel like it's an enemy to me. I know that I've got the author where it's like, ego is an enemy. The ego, for me, the way that I see it is, I see it as like this little kid that is trying to protect me. Right? It's like, I want to go and do this. And the ego's like, what? But like, I want to protect you. You just, just be careful because, you know, you might fail. And if you fail, then this might happen. You might get unloved. People might see you mm-hmm. a certain way. Like, are you sure you want to do that? And that's the way that I, that's the conversation that I had in my mind. I see it as, as that rather than something evil or something trying to happen. Uh, me. I see it as like, just trying to protect. And me. that's a big thing. Is like when I first started in the work and I learned about the ego, it's like the ego's what a fucking fuck the ego right and it's like it's never going to go a lot of our decisions are going to come from that place that's completely fine because it's like that's just ego yeah most most of what we do is going to be from a place it's completely fine doesn't mean you're no conscious no more conscious it's there to protect you it's there to suit and again people don't understand it's like your emotions work for your survival and and uh, reproduction they don't work for the emotions are not supportive of anything else Right, so the ego's job is to go and keep you safe and to have you survive and reproduce. Nothing more, and it's doing a good job of that, right? So the other thing is, like, if you had no ego and you had no way to, you had no identification, 
you'd probably be dead. Yeah. That's the reality. So it's not about trying to become egoless where a lot of people sort of like, you know, oh, like, it's like, it's about having a, nice, a good relationship with it, exactly. a healthy relationship with it. No, I'm happy, I'm happy for, for you to be here. I totally get why you're here and your purpose. Yes. And it's, a, it's accepting that's going to be there and allowing it to be there. Yeah. And that relationship allows you to not uh, diminish it because you're yes. not going to be able to get, get rid of it. Because then you're like, oh, fuck, the ego got me again. And it's like this thing. I was like, yeah. You just start noticing, oh, yeah. 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 What's, what's your thought? Because uh, since we're on this topic, talking about shadow work as well, what's your topic? Oh, what's your topic? What's your opinion on being able to accept the egoic desires? Like, because this is a big part for me when I love doing my work and I used to always have self-judgment on the part of me that would also love money and abundance and living in an amazing home. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, like I can't say that to anyone. There is this internal thing that's going on that loves money, but I also love what I do. And if I love what I do, then I should not want money because there was this thing that was going on within me. And now part of me is just like, I love money. I love seeing thousands and millions of views on videos and just being able to accept that rather than be like, that is, isn't okay. Have you ever dealt with that? Have you ever like... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously improving my money mindset from being a broke bricklayer to, to doing what I'm doing now and living the life that I live now. Um, look, I just had a start of the formal relationship where money is just a, a, an energy. I mean, we all have a purpose and we all need to develop certain energies and call in certain energies to go and have that prepared purpose fulfilled if you care about your purpose enough you will care about earning an income enough and you'll care about making money enough we we we're required to develop skills that's energy we're developed to to have time to um to go and create we're required to develop skills those are all things that we're quite happy to go and acknowledge that we need to do in order to bring up our life when it comes to money people seem to have a really hard time with that that's just an, uh, another energy now i it's not so much about i don't put the amount of money that people earn on a pedestal it's like i want them to earn the amount that allows them to bring their purpose to life to whatever extent yeah for some people it's like they just their purpose is to create a uh, safe family structure Amazing. they require to earn this amount right What's the alternative? This is the, the other question is like, what if you had such a, uh, what would you rather have such a huge purpose and, and how do I phrase it? It's like, have a purpose that requires this amount and be meaning it, or have a purpose so large that you're not currently, and, and you're earning more than that person. Yes. Right? But still not meeting your purpose, yeah. which is which is more serviceable, 100%. right? So that's the way I look at it. It's like everyone should go and get this sort of money that is required to bring their purpose to life. Yeah. So do I. So do you. So do you. It's going to show up in different amounts because people's purposes require different amounts. Just because you earn more doesn't mean that you're any more happier because it's depending on what your purpose is. You could be you could be requiring earning thirty million dollars a year to be bring your purpose to life. Maybe mine only requires this amount, but I'm meeting that. And that's the energy that I brought in, and that's what's required. So if I give a shit about my fucking purpose enough, I'm not gonna, like, that's how I pay respect. Call it in. And it's not, like, and again, it's like what money means to you. Exactly. I don't give a shit about money. Money has no inherent fucking meaning until it's used. Until it's used, it holds no, it's, 
you know? Yeah. It's like, I want safety and security and um, freedom for for myself and my family. Yeah. That's what I want. I don't need the the, the, the glitz and the glam and all these things. I, and again, like I think fame is like a horrible thing. I don't know why anyone would want to be famous in this day and age, but I do want to earn an income that allows safety, security, and, and, and comfort and, and freedom. I don't need the big... Goods in the clan. I really don't know the value of those things. That's not why I want money, but money, what money represents those things. Yeah. So those, those feelings of which that creates. Exactly. That's the whole point of it, right? It's like the reason why we design anything yeah. is because of how we believe it's going to make us feel. Whether that be money, whether it be a relationship, whether that be any type of literally anything, it's because at the end of it, it's, oh, because I want to be happy. Oh, it's because I want to feel freedom. Oh, it's because I want to feel whatever. Any, any type of emotion, all of it is yeah. because we want to feel a certain way. And once we can, I believe, realize that, then we can go, oh, the reason why I'm doing this is so I can feel happy. But what are some other ways that I can feel happy? Do I need this thing in order for me to be happy or can I do it yeah. multiple ways and lowering the bar? Yeah, it's just like not being as attached to what causes you happiness as opposed to just like, could something else cause you happiness? Are you open to that? But again, as far as like not getting to a point of not wanting to desire anything, like... People want to get to that place. It's like, oh, you got to a Buddha-like status at the end of your life, and then you've experienced nothing. Yeah. It's like I don't want to live that life. Like, I, I, like again, like my goal in life is not to be anything other than human. I'm not trying to reach this ethereal space of like ex- exceeding being human. I just need to be human. That's it. I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to reach these like beyond states of like. Right, because then it's like I'm going to miss out on the whole point of why I've come here as as to experience being a human. But yeah, I'm yeah, I'm kind of like the intersection of like the, you know the, the both worlds. Where I'm not too crazy one way and I'm not too far the other way. I'm kind of where they intersect. I, and I can kind of bridge bridge the gap where, because a lot of people go into this work and they're too far one way or the other. No one can relate to them, right? Because they're not not they're not relatively normal people. They're like too fucking blood. And it's like these people over here that actually need the work that need to be brought into so can't relate and they're actually spooking the shit out of them, right? It's easy to preach to the choir. It's easy to pander the people that believe the same things that you believe. Again, it's not in my character to want to 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 just purely wanna preach to people that are already doing the work. You already found your way. I'm trying to be an, a connector between where I was at, which is someone that looked at that stuff and was like, that stuff's ridiculous. Yes. And I have to still be able to relate to that world and not put myself in this, this separate myself, create this divisiveness where I'm like, I'm too one way or the other, where it's like, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm learning this stuff, but I'm not having to identify with it. I'm not wearing a Hessian sack. I'm not fucking... You know, like I get to still maintain some the, some of the parts of me from my from my old life, yeah. and I get to choose new ones. I don't have to then go into the conscious realm or the self awareness realm and then start to I completely identify with that because I think that makes me more conscious. All that is is again is another reflection of then the ego playing out what I think I need to be identified as spiritual, as yeah. spiritual or conscious, and it's just like I'm not interested in playing that game because again I'm trying to create that bridge from 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 people that are really resistant towards thinking it's like these crazy people that lost their plot 
and being able to see me as relatively sort of normal guy, but is interested in the, in this work, but hasn't given up his identity to go so far to to make out or to fulfill a role, right? And that's again what I love about you is like we're able to maintain sort of a healthy sweet spot between the two and be able to navigate within that space, but also is a scary is a scary fucking thing. To, to position yourself as as that because then people are going to hold you to this high, lofty high expectation exactly. and you don't get to be human no more yeah. and you've done to yourself yes. and that to me is like that's a nightmare waiting to happen that, that's such a huge thing um, because then people might see you as oh Ben swore he said he said fuck oh my <laughs> god he's He's drinking alcohol. Yeah. Ben, like, what? I thought Ben was this way. I remember, you actually, I think you made a post about this. Maybe it was like one, of, one of your podcasts I was listening to. It's like, people hold you as this thing. And then the very second, oh, it was a post that you made. I remember there was a post that you made and then you deleted or something like that. There was something that went on, you were sharing it on podcast. And I was listening. It's like, when people hold you as this way, and then the very second that you're not that way, then they'll unfollow or they'll snap because in, you're no longer being who you thought. Who they well, thought you, you positioned were. yourself as this is this this is a dangerous thing with a lot of people that work as like light workers or people in the conscious realm. This is what you do. This is what this is what coaches. If coaches are listening right now, take stock of this. Your business isn't going to be worse off if 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 you show your human aspects and your pitfalls and your flop faults and the fact that you you haven't got your shit together because people get confused about my business will be better. Because if, if, if I put myself, myself on a pedestal, right, and and I've got all my shit together, that means oh, people are going to see that as a as a as a a benefit, or they're going to respect me more. They're going to respect me more if I'm that. And all you're doing is setting yourself up to, for lofty standards of which exactly. you cannot meet. And when you don't, and your shadow flares up, which it will, people are going to hold you to that standard, which they do with celebrities. Celebrities can't fight with someone shitting down their neck every time that they do I've something, right? I've never heard that expression before. I love it. That happened with Miley Cyrus, right? Miley Cyrus was painted as this Disney girl and then she went on a crazy side and then everyone was like, fuck her. Like, there's so many people who go through that where they, they hold people as this image in the very second they're not that, then they go against that. And I feel like that's why it's so important to be able to share everything and be able to be who you are online with who you are in person. Like, I feel like I definitely am that way. The way that I express myself online is exactly who I am in person. Well, that is a big reason as to why I'm doing all these podcasts and more videos is so I can bridge that gap because it's so easy to have a self-discrepancy between the real life and, and online because we get to narrate and we get to... Control. And it's control, yeah. And it's like I can hide behind my, my well-thought-out, articulated posts for as long as I need to, really. But at the end of the day, people need to feel a sense of trust with me. And that, the only way I can do that is by showing there's a less of a... Like there's more consistency between the online world and me in real life. And um, that also that, uh, means that I'm called more to share what I'm working through yes. from not a coach or leader perspective but from a student perspective and not having all the answers and having to still work things out and that to me um and again i've seen what happens when people do prop themselves because they think it's better for their work as soon as they 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 act out of congruency or whatever yeah um, syndrome comes up. like it, it, it's it's they position themselves as not being flawed or or they've curated as much as they'd like to share as far as the faults which is still curated 
And um, that's the thing. I just don't want to. I want to have the, the freedom to be wrong. I want to have the freedom to grow. I want to have the freedom to get better. I want to, I want the freedom to make mistakes. I want the freedom to be able to learn from them. But I have to, I have to position myself as, as just as no wiser than anyone else. We're all working this out. I have learned a few things that have been benefit, beneficial to me, but by no stretch of the imagination, am I not working this still, still as fucking clueless on a whole bunch of other things, right? Yeah, me, me too, man. And I, I just, when you were sharing, I just had a memory of, because I wasn't always this way. I was actually the person who put an image of like, I'm a successful dude, I'm doing this, but internally it just wasn't going on. I remember it all helped. What really helps me, I had an ex, she's actually in your business. I don't know, I won't say her name, but do you know who she is? No. I'll share it after the podcast. Okay. But there's a, there's a girl in your downline, okay. starts with a C, and basically what happened was, I remember I sat down with her one day, and I just shared with her everything. I was like, I feel like a fraud. I feel like people know me as this, this is when I was a personal trainer. People know me as a successful dude, and being on YouTube and stuff, like I'm broke right now. I have hardly any money. I'm really struggling and I feel like a massive fraud. And it was so healing. Again, just be able to share everything. First with her, someone to just be able to hear me out and be like, whoa, I didn't know that you, I remember her saying to me, I just, it's so weird hearing you say this because I just felt like you were always happy. Like I felt like you were always just good and just strong and, oh. I don't want people to think like, and that's the same as like with my relationship. Like, oh, I, like with me and Pella. Oh, you're the perfect couple. Oh, fuck it. Yo, I don't want to hear that. Some couples paint that. I don't want to hear that. Yes. Ah, oh, that's the most scary thing, right? But again, like, like people think once you get to a level of esteem or wealth, or you get to escape the realms of being human or feeling these human emotions, and we see it, like when Bieber's is going through an issue, exactly. Like. He's not allowed to because people think he doesn't have a right to because he's got so much in life that he's, he's, he should be able to not feel this yeah, way. He just magically has been able to buy not being able to be human anymore and he's exceeded that and now there's no reason for him to feel shitty because I am expecting that once I get there, then I would feel the same. And that's so flawed and we see that play out. And People have committed suicide with Robin Williams. <sighs> there's so many examples of how money doesn't do that. It can, it can create access but it's not the end or cure all to not feel, not having, not being human. Yeah. 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 So this has been an amazing chat, man. Do you want to share a little bit about um, your program that you've got coming up? Yeah. So I, right now I have a program called the deep end and I'm turning it now into a weekly group coaching call. And if you just go to mattkarma.com, you'll be able to see something along the lines of deep end on there you already get all the information on there and it's a program where we're talking about these topics mental health spirituality being able to help you heal your trauma inner child work shadow work everything that comes up on a call um it's it's a, it's a 90 minute to two hour call and i just get on there i speak about a certain topic and then i also leave space for q a and doing live coaching on there so you can just go to matt karma and you can check out the program on there Yep, perfect. Now, guys, if you want to find Matt on uh, Instagram, where can they find you as well? Matt underscore karma, C-A-M-A on Instagram or Matt karma 23 on TikTok. On YouTube. TikTok? Yeah. And, is it, and that's on YouTube as well? You, you can just go on YouTube just type in Matt karma, but TikTok is Matt karma 23 
Perfect. Thanks so much for joining us, brother. I appreciate Thanks, you, Chan. Thank you. Uh, all right, right. Uh, there we go. Uh, Thanks, guys.